for all hard rock, heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices. Online Metal Promo PR is taking bands from the underground to above ground. Visit their official website at onlinemetalpromo.net. Onlinemetalpromo.net. Before we begin, I got some new CDs in the mail. Go for it. 95 edition Aussie CDs. Cool. Because cool. I hate the, with the exception of the newer um, Diary and Blizzard, I hate the 2002 remasters. Yeah, yeah, those are the ones I have. What's that CD? Fear Factory Archetype, which is out of print. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Dream Theater's debut album. Cool. Greg, don't laugh, but my favorite, my favorite Ingve album. I like Ingve. Uh. Black Sabbath Past Lives. Fuck yeah. I know you like this one, Greg. Oh, I oh, love yeah. that album. Fuck yeah. This is the uh, double disc. So it's got the uh, Reading concert on disc two. And there they go. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, Frank Marino, Juggernaut. That is oh, excellent. yeah. Who did you spend the money? It was cheap. And nice. Well, sort of. I hate that album, but I love I, this album. Oh well, we'll get yeah. to it. Yeah, like Evolution is the one I hate. This one I love. I guess well, James definitely. is not joining us. Why is what James he, not joining? Why is not joining us? What the hell? I think he said he was cleaning. cleaning. All right. Like he couldn't join us. You know, stop cleaning for a few minutes. Oh, I know something. I got. Well, here's what I've been. I got at, uh, yesterday for uh, ten bucks. Stevie Ray Vaughan box set. Can't go wrong with that. I love me some Pretty Stevie. Rad. Yeah, I've never uh, owned it, and um, I'm gonna go. It's only ten bucks, so I bought it. Oh, so, anyway. What else did you get? What else did you uh, get? Anything? Nothing else. That's it. Oh, oh no, I got many. it's over there. But I've got the End Machine debut, which is George Lynch, and. Uh, Oh, it's docking without uh, docking. Yeah, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. I got the Tom Robinson band. You guys might not know. His claim to fame is he's the first openly gay uh, musician. I could care less about that. But he had one uh, hit overseas, kind of a pub rocker, uh, uh, 346 Motorway. Who is this guy? A Tom Robinson band. Can't say I'll send you. A, I'll send you a link later. I got a few other things because I'm always buying stuff, and then I wonder why I'm broke. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I got like a whole stack of 20 LPs over there, but I only grabbed the top oh. eight, atheist piece of time. Nice. Yeah, local band. I used to see them yeah. all the time when I was uh, younger. Oh, man, they're great. I love death metal with jazz. Yeah. <laughs> and Dark Angel, we have arrived. I have never even seen class. that. Very That's cool. Cool original cover oh okay 
Yeah, they uh, they self-released it first, which is this one. I've got a couple of Dark Angels, but definitely not that one with either cover. And for the record, I spend less on CDs than I do on guitar stuff. Like, I just bought this. I want to promote <laughs> this product real quick, the Vegatrem VT1. It's a, uh, it's, I think it's made in Spain, and you could dive bomb and pull up, and you don't need a locking nut system. So in, the, in some ways, it's better than a Floyd Rose and fits on any strap body or super strap body that has a, a six-point uh, uh, tremolo bridge. So, yay. Very cool. I don't uh, have anything to show. Since we're showing off vinyl, I'll show off what I bought. And then, Wayne, you let us know when we get started. We're alive, right. so go ahead. Black Sabbath ah. featuring Tony Iommi and on vinyl. thing that kills me is I used to own this all this shit on vinyl. This I never owned. It was on sale at Target, uh, cutout band. Chris Cornell, no one sings like you anymore, which I've not heard yet. Again, I used to own this on vinyl, Iron Maiden, Seven Son of the Seventh Son. And I made sure it was the original pressing. I didn't buy any of the, uh, like David Bowie, Let's Dance. The reason you should get the original EMI if you're interested is because the sound on the new one is shitty if you're going to buy it on vinyl. That is my Gateway Bowie album. Same here for me. And when I was a kid, I hated it. And then as I got older, I grew to like it. But this is the first time I heard Bowie. Oh. I, I love Modern Love and of course Let's Dance in China Girls. So, oh, good yeah. stuff. Rush, and, that's, uh, and that's Stevie Ray Vaughan doing the uh, solo on uh, Let's Dance. Actually, he's on the whole thing, but yeah. But I didn't realize that when you know I first bought it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the debut Rush album, nice. Yep. Which, uh, again, I, didn't, I don't like buying reissues unless I have no choice. And Emerson Lake and Palmer, everybody knows this album brain salad surgery and with that saying welcome to my friends to the show that never ends let's yep, start and two more oh never uh, mind <laughs> fighters and medicine at midnight and finally crocus where you can play name that riff anyway that was it uh, <laughs> you could have gotten mcdonald's or something instead of. are you kidding heat strokes what a great love song you know what, did they rip off everyone on that album or something? Is that oh, yeah, of course they did. Bedside Radio is totally ACDC. Uh, Lady Double Dealer is Scorpions. Tokyo Knights would be Judas Priest if they couldn't play. <laughs> um, and Backseat Rock and Roll is Pure Kiss, uh, Swiss cheese style. Anyway, I I love these guys. Uh, don't I've got tons of their albums, and uh, I think I appreciate them because they're so unoriginal. Anyway. <laughs> So there you go. Headhunter was good. Uh, Murphy Full Fate is in the chat again. And, uh, he hey, Murphy. He said, I think the first press of Dark Angel we have uh, arrived just has the logo and title. Uh, 70s Bowie kicks ass. Absolutely. No, and, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. And tonight, Long Stick goes boom. The first American press before the one you're thinking of with the title and the logo. That was the first international press on a major label. This is the original on something weird like Metal Storm Records. Doesn't mention Gene Hogwood on it at all because he didn't play on this one. Oh, boo. And for the record, I don't own vinyl because I don't have a vinyl player. But uh, I don't have a CD player either. But I do have iTunes, so it just automatically syncs everything I rip to my phone. So 
I do have some. Oh, I, I just started collecting vinyl again not that long ago. For years, uh, I got rid of like tons of vinyl. Now I kind of regret it, but a lot of it was beat up because I would, you know. Anyway, um, uh, I, I was away on vacation last week. That's why we didn't have a show. And since you all show on your recent purchases, I can show a few. I only got a few. There's a um, a flea market uh, where I go in Massachusetts, and um, there's usually a record guy there selling records and um, not so cheap, but some, I found a couple of cool things. I found, uh, I showed you guys already, but this Alice Cooper thing, I got the guy down to like eight bucks, one of 10. I, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan, but even Alice doesn't think much of that album. No, he doesn't so. think so. I got the CD, but I saw that. But I like it. I do like it, but Alice thinks it's terrible, but yeah. you know. Yeah, it's not. I, Alice, Alice doesn't I also remember his early 80s albums either. Yeah, yeah that's true. And then I saw this, so I grabbed that. It's like it was like twenty five dollars. So I bought, I bought that too on random because I never seen it on vinyl. I picked right. it up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted the part two, but uh, twenty five dollars isn't too bad. No, uh, that's they go for like thirty five ish. Yeah, forty. Yeah. And then I picked up uh, another Alice Cooper cassette. Alice. Ah, I saw that tour. That was sig- excellent tour. Significant considering Kane Roberts is now in the Alice Cooper band again. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And then I got the uh, Queen's Rock Rage for Order cassette. Underrated wow. album. Yeah. I agree. Even though they look like they rated Prince's Wardrobe on the. Uh, hey, hey, album. hey. <laughs> it was 86, and Ozzy and Priest were doing the same thing. So we can or let Queen's Rock uh, slide. Or as, so, King Fa- as King Fowley would say, the uh, transvestite uh, vampires. Vampires. <laughs> yep. That's exactly how they look. <laughs> Not from uh, Transylvania, just no. transvestite. <laughs> From Seattle. Uh, Larry uh, Latella joined the chat, too. I see his uh, podcast once in a while, too, on YouTube here. Uh, Stained Class is the best Judas Priest album of them all. We haven't even discussed it yet. Didn't even discuss it yet. Uh, And then uh, Murphyful Fate said, thanks for the cool info. I would imagine about the Dark Angel record. And Larry also said, uh, I saw Alice live last month and read his golf book. And he's a golfer as well. Well, Wayne asked me, what did Kane Roberts do all these years after uh, he left Alice Cooper's band? And I said, uh, well, I think he went to go uh, be a stuntman for Sylvester Stallone in the Rambo films. Did you actually believe me? Yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> I don't keep up on Kane Roberts. Well, I... Kane Roberts, a couple of years ago, released one of those uh, albums on Frontier Records. I bought it. Honestly, I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. It was okay, but I can't remember a, a song, so... I only remember one song from a Frontiers Records album, and that was a Kiss Case Somerville song. That's it. I don't remember anything else on Frontiers. I thought Kane Roberts was the wrestler. No. (laughs) (laughs) Those Frontier Records all have that same kind of melodic sound, you know. Uh, Matter of fact, they have in-house songwriters, producers, so like a lot of these groups you see put together. I don't know if it all sounds like the Journey album. Exactly, yep. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They did put out the new Journey album. I bought that. I haven't listened to it yet, but yeah. A lot of people saying it's good. So, so well, I definitely I'm... think they ripped off their record label name from Journey. Even the Actually, logo they looks did. Okay. They did because it's a melod. It, it's uh, specialized in AOR melodic hard rock metal. Blah blah blah. blah. Anyway, Wayne. Um, unless you want to talk right. about Frontiers, you want to take no. Take I don't want to. If I talk about Frontiers, I'll just start crying tears congratulations so, ronnie monroe on getting the job in vicious rumors who exactly let's start the show welcome yeah. to rat salary review today we're part three of our judas priest versus iron maiden 
episode. And um, today we're going to start with Stained Class. It's the fourth studio album released February 10th, 1978. It's the first studio uh, album of, no wait, it's the first of two studio albums to feature Les Binks on drums. It's also the first album to feature the well-known Judas Priest logo. Finally, we got that cool, like pointy logo. Um, it features a spooky tooth cover of the song Better By You, Better Than Me. It was a last minute addition to the album after CBS insisted on including something with commercial potential to live to liven up the album because they felt it had like a dark, sinister tone to it. Which is funny because the song would end up getting negative uh, attention years later when those two fans uh, had a suicide pact or whatever. Yeah. Um, the album was produced by, oh no, that song was produced by James Gut- Guthrie, who would um, be used for the next album, Killing Machine, Hellbent for Leather. Uh, Stain Class also was the first Judas Priest album to crack the Billboard 200 chart. Uh, the rest of the album was produced by Dennis McKay, uh, who was more known for working with David Bowie and Supertramp. And the first studio appearance of Les Binks. Oh, he mentioned that. that. Yeah, he mentioned oh, that. Oh, did you? Yeah. If you paid attention to me, you've heard that. <laughs> Hello, you. Welcome to Rat Sound Review. Uh, so <laughs> anyway. You didn't even do an intro. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, I didn't play the intro. No. No, no one. Do you want Hold the on. intro? Down, 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 down. It's time for there. No, I'm sorry. Did I do the intro? <laughs> no, no, don't do, do the, the intro. intro. Don't bother. It's fine. Yeah. Do it. No, let's forget it. It doesn't matter. We don't need the intro. You know uh, who we are. It's yeah, the same we, five schmucks sends one every week. Uh, oh, that's that's where I know Larry from uh, the Heart of Metal. Yes, I'm thinking of another Larry. I'm sorry, Larry. Uh, okay. Metal. Who is he on the Heart of Metal? Larry. Okay, I haven't been on the Heart of Metal like a <laughs> hundred years recently. So yeah, yeah, me neither. Uh, yeah, all right, a so, day over ninety nine. At least you do anyway, look a little go. young. Uh, but uh, uh, well, I, uh, it's been a while. Anyway, go ahead. We did actually review this album not too long ago. I, I don't think you, I know definitely you weren't on the show, and I don't think you were on the show, man. Um, Lou, I was not, yeah. So just me and Greg, and I forgot who else did it, but uh, well, then it doesn't count, it so doesn't count. Ahead. So this is a whole no, it thing. counts. I just I never discussed anything Judas Priest related with you on uh, Brad Side Review yet. So, uh, my feelings are pretty much the same about this album. Uh, I do like the album a, a lot more than Sin After Sin. Uh, they really knew who Judas Priest was by the time this album came out, and the first song shows that with Exciter. Um, it shows them, you know, starting getting into the like the double bass type beats and stuff like that, and added some like thrashy type speed metal thing that would like influence like a whole new genre of music. You know, uh, Better by You. I love that song, but I think a lot of it has to do with that whole thing with that trial, that mystery surrounding those two kids. You know, I, I think that just drew me to that song for some reason. Because you know you, you play the stupid song backwards and it tells you to do it, so it just made me want to hear that. <laughs> That's a bunch of shit. That's a bunch of shit. But anyway, go ahead. Did anybody, um, sorry, Wayne, go ahead. Did anybody what? Did anybody watch that documentary, Dream Deceiver, about that trial? No. Yeah, it was uh, years pretty ago. tragic. Yeah, years ago, and you could tell it really affected the uh, the four uh, main guys in the band. I mean, it was uh, especially Halford. He still talks about it. He was very traumatized by the whole experience. Well, yeah, because look, his his partner had committed suicide about four years before that, too. Oh, Oh, I didn't even. Yes, his partner committed right before 1985, right before they started recording Turbo. This is true. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Rob Halford, you know, I've never really heard anyone say a bad word about him. Um, the only thing that I know of that I've read in interviews is that he really is like a caring individual. Like he cares about the fans and, you know, he cares about his bandmates and 
you know, the, the fact that anyone would do something as ridiculous as what happened, um, you know, it's heartbreaking for him because he's like, what the hell did I get into music for? I didn't get it. So people would try to shoot themselves, you know, and, and it's tragic. And, you know, I feel bad for the, the two youths that uh, ended up being the real victims in this um, from bad parenting, not from Judas Priest. There, I said it. Do something. Well, it's it's true because uh, if a record makes you kill yourself, then it must be a damn well. Then uh, it's never even hurt. Anyway, it's it's out the legal system is, but hey. Murphy Full Fate did not know uh, Better By You was, was a cover until years later. I didn't know either. I had no idea it was a cover. Yeah, but, it's a spooky too song. Um, but that's how like Judas Priest like when they do their covers, they make it a Judas yeah, Priest song. Yeah, definitely so make it their own. Yeah, make it their oh, own. Yeah. Uh, the song Staying Class, another great one. My uh, favorite part is the chorus, just some really great vocal melodies. Saints in Hell, I like the guitar riffs in this one for the verses, not so much the chorus. Uh, I think it lacks a little bit, uh, but those guitars and those verses really are memorable. Beyond the Realms of Death, I really became familiar with the song from uh, the band Blind Guardian. Uh, actually, great cover. It is a great cover, and it might be my favorite cover over the Judas Priest one, but that's another story. Everybody's okay with that. I'm surprised. Get your opinion. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my time. Well, I was waiting. You're wrong, oh, Wayne. Is I that what you want me to say? Yeah, you're wrong, man. I was waiting. I was waiting. Anyway, continue. Uh, I've never looked at the whole tribute album. So. <laughs> Greg's impartial. I love it. But uh, that's one of my top favorite Judas Priest songs. It's just such a great song. Really like how they infuse acoustic parts with the electric guitar parts and uh, just an epic song. Well, Rob's vocals seem to flow so well with it and uh, it's really well put together. What? Yeah, I, I mean, it set the stage for the metal epic. And this really, well, like I said before previously when we did this 10 out of 10 album for me it uh you know they really came into their own here but overall i mean it set the tone it set right. that heavy metal sound yeah. going forward that still influences to this day yeah. and uh the songs i didn't mention like uh white uh heat uh, red hot invader savage and heroes End, are okay but uh what? they don't really do much for me i know you love white hot red heat uh but yeah, I, I mean, Heroes is a is a cool ending for the album, but I don't know, it just doesn't do nothing for me. But there's some catchy parts in there. I love that thing, little groove in that song. Man. Yeah. Uh, one thing's funny I, I noticed too, they they have an Invader song, and Maiden has an Invader song. Was there some kind of like thing in the '80s about Invaders? Well, I, Maiden's I think is about Vikings, and Judas Priest is about aliens. But also the Maiden song sucks. And... The Maiden song, well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> we got another uh, person in the chat, Mark Burchette. Uh, I watched it on the news as it happened. Oh, he's talking about the trial. I've been seeing Judas Priest live since 1979, except for the Ripper years. Wow. Uh, Murphable Fate. Uh, good point about the parenting. Larry Savage uh, is a hidden gem on the album. I really love it. And Murphy Full Fate again, such a great album. Two clunkers, Heroes and, and Savage. Yeah, I agree. I, I only uh, made the point about the parents absconding their responsibility because uh, and you can watch it during the uh, documentary that at one point, um, you know, the, the, the mother of the one kid that did survive um, was, it was, she was pretty much just trying to ignore all accountability and things like that on on her end so i i had no no empathy for her i i i'm i'm sorry like i just i just couldn't i think anybody with a 
a logically critically thinking mind would be the same, you know, thought process. It, that case could have only happened during the satanic panic of the 80s, where all the Jesuits saw Satan in every doorstep and every album, and it was completely ridiculous. And um, if you're going to put a backward message on there, be buy more albums, not, you know, kill yourself. But Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 well, and then, you know, the fact that annoys me the most, we live in such a litigious society, like it's fucking absurd. It should have never even made it to a court of law. No, that's so like way to just exploit the dead. But I, I kind of really wanted to avoid talking about that with this. Well, we're, we can uh, move on anyway. Uh, go ahead, all right, Manny, Manny. Go ahead. All right, me. I actually like staying class a lot. I agree with a lot of your sentiment. I think it's the first modern Judas Priest album. I think they finally found their sound, even though as songwriters, the three of them hadn't started writing all together every song. Yeah, and I didn't know right away is you know uh, better by you better by me was a spooky tooth song um when i bought the album uh the only issue i have with the album is again songs like exciter um what else is on there the songs sound way way better on unleashed in the east which i've said before on previous recordings but um overall great album and uh les binks has definitely improved the game on the band and uh it's funny that the record company decided to pick Better By You Better Than Me because Spooky Tooth weren't a very successful band. They were a prototype blues slash hard rock band. What they're best known for is giving us Gary Wright, who later had a hit with Dreamweaver, and uh, Mick Jones, who later formed Foreigner. Um, Ross Venner, who became Ariel Bender and Matahoople. Yeah, him too. Actually, it's a very good band worth checking out if you're into the, uh, you know, bluesier side of hard rock. Um, Dreamweaver so playing at your local beach right now. Actually, <laughs> the, yeah, they would be if they were still around. Uh, the lead singer had a killer voice, uh, Mike Harrison. He just passed away a couple of years ago. But uh, overall, cool band. But back to the priest, I think uh, Heroes is uh, a terrible song. Got bits and pieces I like in it, but overall I don't like it. Beyond the Realms of Death, you know, I'm, you know, I, I was 16 when the trial took place. I never really paid attention to that song. I liked it, but it's funny. It's like Wayne would better buy you better than me. Suddenly, I listened to Beyond the Realms of Death because that's one of the songs they brought up in the trial, and listen to it and it's like hey did these people bother listening to the music they're accusing them of you know whatever two it's a well-written epic song and judas priest not really known are still not known for their epic songs i guess victim of changes would count but yeah overall great album and uh i like it I, it's one of my favorites by the band actually i'll probably say that throughout the podcast till we get to uh turbo anyway um <laughs> that's my two cents so wayne who's next what about greg oh it's my favorite judas priest album i mean i love it uh they came into their own sound unless pinks really enhances them with what he can do on the drums and uh you know since he was on the sin after uh sin tour he's more in step with them too like simon phillips was a good drummer but uh even though he was a just a studio drummer like we were say, I was saying on the last one it, uh as good as his playing is on that it doesn't really seem like they were in tune so it was nice they got that worked out with a great drummer on 
But I mean, it's just a total classic and it's got a real dark, heavy, aggressive atmosphere all the way through. Halford's lyrics are great. And this, this one, I um, hold the studio versions of the tracks to Unleashed in the East almost equal because this album just sounds great to me. I love kind of how it falls into that, uh, that darker mood here. You know, real work well together. And uh, I love Heroes End. I'm surprised you guys don't like it. I think it's cool. Fun little beat. <laughs> and, uh, but I really, even though Savage is probably the most boring song on the record, I still love that song. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, also, but you, since you mentioned Invaders, Savage is about the American Indians. And oh, well, there you go. A run to the hills. Everything Ooh. just ties in with each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, oh, here, here's an interesting tidbit for you. The original three members of Venom met at the Judith Priest concert on this tour. Oh, really? Yeah. Praise Satan. <laughs> Praise the about... priest, Manny. Come on. I love, I love Venom, man. Anyway. Uh, in the chat here. What do we got? We got a lot of people in the chat here. I like all these, uh, this talking going on here. Murphy, uh, priest and, and metal was the scapegoat. Sad kids, though. Larry, uh, I love the new wave of British heavy metal band Satan, but they must have uh, been drunk coming up with that band name. Commercial nah. suicide consider- considering times. Uh, Murphy says uh, Satan's singer also sang for Blitzkrieg. And yep. Larry, uh, the guitarist and bassist form Skyclad, which I did not know. That's kind of cool. I didn't know any of this stuff, so keep going. And yeah. uh, Murphy, Beyond the Realms of Death gives me chills. Larry, you don't have to die to be a hero. And That's Mark, right. Mark, uh, music, we all hear it differently, yet it brings us together. That is very, very true. And yeah, that's a that's a good point on beyond the realms of death. I mean, that still makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up to this day. Yeah. Well, Wayne just... brought up a good point about the album itself <laughs> that how it uh, it kind of for um, kind of influenced a whole whole genre of artists, not just in um, thrash or the heavier side of metal, but even even a lot of the LA bands um cite judas priest which is kind of strange you know when you think about it but their impact was immense and i think that gets to tend to be overlooked nowadays in my opinion you know but yeah all right lou what about you uh, a couple of things i want to piggyback on one manny what you said about uh the la bands you're right because um i think a prime example of that is actually the band rats uh rat and dawkin both heavily influenced by Judas Priest. So, Wayne, it's irrelevant if you if you like them or not. I'm yeah, Wayne. You, oh God, you two of the worst bands on earth, man. Secondly, to piggyback on what you were saying about the whole uh, satanic panic thing, I mean, they tried to do the same thing with Ozzy with Suicide Solution. You know, the attorney that was on the uh, that, that was prosecuting them. I mean, he kept on saying, like, you know, the lines in the songs are get the gun, get the gun, shoot, shoot, shoot. It's not obviously anyone who's heard the song knows he's saying get the flaps out, whatever he's doing. So, yeah, people are going to hear whatever they want to hear just to get the point across. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a believer that's saying that or a person who's a non-believer, an asshole, still an asshole, no matter what, no matter what, at the end of the day, and they're all full of shit and stink die, Evan. Now, back to the album. (laughs) Mazel tov. I love this album. Is it in my top five? Uh, No, but that's not taken away from the greatness of this album. Um, 
I mean, right off the bat, I could say Exciter, Whitey, Red Hot, uh, Invader, Beyond the Realms of Death, and my personal favorite, Saints in Hell, which I was very happy to say that I saw Priest actually perform. I think it was their first time ever performing it at concert, in concert at the, um, it was at the uh, Firepower Tour uh, that happened in March of 2018 with uh, Saxon and uh, Black Star Riders. And let me just tell you, the fans went apeshit crazy when they heard it because they've never played it. And it's like, you could tell Priest fans love album cuts. I think if they had their way, it would be, okay, we could take an album cut and replace the following songs. You've got another thing coming, Hellbent for, well, maybe not Hellbent for Leather, um, but Living After Midnight, Breaking the Law, you know, replace them with album cuts that we want to hear. And Saints in Hell got the biggest reaction that night, I shit you not. Um, as far as Beyond the Realms of Death, that's my second favorite track. The first time I saw Priest at, at OzFest 2004, and they played that in the rain while it was thunderstorming. And I tell you, just the gut-wrenching guitar solo performances uh, that they were doing during the solos was just... It, it, it was a religious experience, uh, I, I must say. So I, even though it's not one of my personal favorites, I could be objective and say that Staying Class is overall one of the quintessential Judas Priest albums that everyone out there who hasn't heard it should do themselves a favor and go pick up a copy. Screw streaming. Just buy it. You should own it. And if you haven't heard it, why? What the hell are you doing? What are you listening to? Five Finger Death Punch? Uh, You're lucky James isn't here to hear you say that. (laughs) Uh, Is he a fan of that shit? Anyway, Uh, It's different strokes for different folks. It's all good. Hi, James. Hope you're fun cleaning. Uh, Murphy says Saints and Hells is his favorite too. And Mark, uh, that's true. It was the first time on the Firepower tour. Murphy, I don't know you, but I like you. Yeah, Murphy's all right. He's okay. Yes, it was the Firepower. Did, did I say that? I did say that, right? Firepower? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I fell asleep when you were talking. So, what? <laughs> Sorry, Judas- that's big head of yours just freaking blinding me right now anyways go ahead <laughs> i should have worn my head i'm sorry uh judas priest hellbent for leather or as greg likes to call it, killing machine um the fifth yes. studio album released october 9th 1978 you know it's funny they released two albums in one year fuck yeah that's the way you did well, it back yeah, then. i mean they yeah. were on fire here get it do it while it's, you know while you're in the you know you got the songs coming out of you i guess just re- keep recording uh this is where i believe they started their leather and studs image right that's yep. correct uh it's the last album to feature feature less binks on drums something happened with the with them with the money situation as usual so well the money situation has come up and then he's also said in interviews i've seen with him that um he could handle playing a little bit more commercially like they did on this record with their existing sound, but where they wanted to go with like ideas they already had for living after midnight and shit like that. And British steel, he just, he said, I can't mm. like dumb, not dumb down his playing, but play more simplistic like that. He said, he just couldn't oh. do it. I think that, I think he's uh, saving face, but that's my opinion. You know? Yeah. I heard it was a dispute over unleashed in the East. That yeah, made him. I'm just saying that was in a couple interviews with him. That's 
what he had to say about it. Okay. Because well, I've I, seen video of, of him performing in the last two, three years before the whole KK's Priest debacle where they said mm-hmm. he was going to be on it and he wasn't on it. And he was still playing in top form. We're talking 40 oh. years after Hellbent for Leather came out and he was still playing in top form. So, Manny, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't anything, but... Um... I, I just, I don't know if I buy that. I, w- I would think it'd probably do with touring. I mean, those guys until about 1990, uh, I mean, they tour relentlessly. I mean, uh, to add any personal life whatsoever would be surprising. Because um, that would take a toll on anybody, especially a drummer. But I don't know. I mean, the, the story I heard was that uh, it was dispute over money and... Uh, he wanted to more and they weren't going to make a full partner. But again, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Those guys until KK wrote his book, keep a, kept a pretty tight lid on that kind of stuff. You know, so. uh, Laurie, Laurie uh, posted a potential album title for Judas Priest uh, for future Judas Priest albums. And he stole this from Mark Prindle, whoever the hell that is. Um, soap Dropper. Uh, shove it in really hard. Clenched Pink Doorway. Sweat of the muscular gladiators in through the outdoor and butt fucking. <laughs> Moving along. Man of war or Judas Priest? Uh, either or. I guess it'd fit both of them. That's oh. a bad thing. But anyway. Man, <laughs> anyway. Of war right, man of war and the guy right now just got sentenced five years or whatever. Yeah. So you think fuck he him. Deserves more he's than a P3DO. That. He's a P3DO. Yeah, we can't say the him. word, otherwise we'll get hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. But anyway, the uh, reason why the album's title was changed in the U.S. for Hellbent for Letter from Killing Machine is because of uh, some uh, elementary school shooting in Cleveland. I don't remember what that was. I don't so. Really? Yeah. In Cleveland? Yeah. So a Cleveland elementary school shooting. In wow. 1978, I guess. I don't know. I never I was, heard of that. I wasn't born yet. One more year. I'm surprised you didn't hear it because you're pretty old. So, Well, I, I was, yeah, I am pretty old, but oh, come on. <laughs> you were around, was, at, least, you were around at least 30 old. years after that. I, I was eight years old in uh, 1978. <laughs> oh, that's it? Yeah, that was it, man. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. All right. This album starts off good. Then for me, it takes such a nosedive. I couldn't wait for it to be over. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. No, continue. Delivering the goods. Again, like most Judas Priest songs, because I got in Judas Priest kind of late, I got familiar with this song through an Iron Savior cover. And I like that cover a lot, but I like the Judas Priest one a lot more. Uh, it's a good opener, and I don't know why, but I always think it's uh, this should be on the point of entry. It kind of has that same feel, because like point of entry has that like echoey, groomy sound to it, and this song definitely has that same feel to it. Um, but regardless, great opening a song and catchy rock forever. Second song in. And to me, I feel like they went backwards here. This sounds like something that should have been on rock and roll or even sin after sin just doesn't fit with the direction they were heading in for me. Don't like the song. It's too rock and rolly. Evening star. Holy shit. It's gotten worse. This what? is. This is like a reject know, song. This is and like a reject continue. song from the elder. Dude, how can when you you're fired. Like this song oh, is so stupid. During the, during the pre-chorus. That chorus is terrible. <laughs> it's a reject song from The Elder. That's what it sounds like. The Elder? Yes, it sounds How like much- an Elder song. 
Wayne, if you're not smoking, if you're smoking pot, no. stop. He's and if you haven't, stuff start. Under the sink anyway, go ahead. Cut it out. <laughs> If you have any, share it with us. <laughs> uh, Hellman for Leather, classic pre-song. I uh, love how it starts with the double bass drums and that riff and then Rob's vocals against that and then the catchy chorus. And I'm not even talking about the lyrics, more of what the guitars are doing than the part before the guitar solo with Rob singing just another really awesome put-together classic pre-song, although it does remind me a bit of a faster version of Breaking the Law. Uh, take on the World. No. Why are they allowed to put this on the album? It would, it, it wanted to be We Will Rock You, but we got this crap instead. It's a garbage song. Burning Up. I wanted to like the song because the verses are really cool, but other than that, that uh, it turns into like this boogie dance thing. Just stupid. Uh, the Green Man Leashy, finally a good song again. We get it by now. Priests are good at covering songs and make it their own. Uh, I never knew this was a Fleetwood Mac song until many, many years later, uh, but they made it their own. Killing Machine, back to sucking again. Just all around garbage song. It's Metal Gods before they were able to do it right. Running Wild, more Let Me Down, uh, did nothing for me. Before the Dawn, again, why are we going backwards? It sounds like a rejected song from Save the Wings of Destiny. Evil Fantasies, finally, we are at the end of this album, and you can hear what direction they are headed in uh, with the next album, Slow, Menacing, and Boring. Sorry. This album sucks. Oh, That's how I feel about it the next one actually but greg, uh, <laughs> you you take it i have to go ahead recover. greg i have to recover from this madness. please greg tell I me guess, why he's wrong I, I really like this one and and to be honest sonically it's not really all that different i don't believe from staying class it still has that aggression and i mean my only real complaint would be um they cut out most of the complexity to make shorter more succinct songs I would presume to try to break the American market. And I think the Hellbent for Leather single actually did, which is, um, I didn't realize that about the, I mean, I had heard of the Cleveland school shooting, but I didn't realize that influenced the title change. But then again, I might have to research that because unlike Newman there, I don't believe everything I read on Wikipedia, but moving on. <laughs> Um, I love the fact they added the Green Man issue, though. That's such a classic song, and that's one um, that I found out was a cover years later, and then found out Fleetwood Mac started as a blues band, and they did some pretty cool stuff with Peter Green that I really enjoy, too. You can keep your landslide. I'll take blues Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the second side... Wayne, I, I will concede, does get a little weaker. I I actually like Burning Up a lot, and um, I think you can definitely hear Point of Entry there, kind of how they get uh, just more of that bouncier, good time feel, like stuff like You Say Yes. But yeah. I like that song, too, but anyway. Um, but Evil, Before the Dawn, I don't mind so much. I mean, it's kind of out of place with the rest of the record but rob really sings on that he emotes so well with his voice i actually enjoy it anyway evil fantasies is the only one where i'm kind of like because eh, in a few ways with lyrics and then just the uh, structure of the song and a couple of riffs it almost sounds like a retread of burning up mm -hmm. but you, I mean, you got so many classic uh, songs just evening star i love i mean i know it's uh maybe a little more commercial dreamier chorus than you like but 
I love the dynamics in it. I think it works really well where it kind of melds some of that um, more proggier stuff they were doing on Sad Wings and Rockarola into their current sound, and I think it works really well. I mean, you know me, I I like cheesy stuff, but just that course is just not work for Judas Priest. And Take on the World is goofy, but I actually love it. It's one of them few stupid arena songs I can actually get behind. I wish they didn't try to remake it the next year with United and tarnish the legacy. Well, they did. You're right. You're right. It's the same, almost same song. Um. Yeah, I really enjoy that one, though. I mean, it. I will give you, it is a little goofy, but um, I think for the... I don't want to say enjoy. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Lou, go ahead. Although, hold on a minute. Uh, Larry actually agrees with me. I'm not wrong about Killing Machine. It's a significant letdown after the masterpiece that was stained class. Thank you. You're, you're both wrong, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to follow up Wayne's uh, tarnishing of this right. album, but uh, favorite tracks, Delivering the Goods, Evening Star. Sorry, Wayne. Sorry. Hell Been for Leather. I like Take On The World. I like yeah. it. I mean, it's. I it's, do too. It, it, it's. It would be a cool song if they played it in like soccer stadiums and you know just, you know, I I just kind of envisioned everybody with their flag up and just like, you know, standing uh, at it. I I don't want to interrupt you too much. No, here. I well, I, you go ahead, please. Con- yeah, the, the, conclude. The, the dog interrupted me, but what I wanted to say was, um, you know, I don't see it as a super drastic change because even though they got some more realistic good time lyrics here, it still has that, um, you know, dark aggression that I feel like Priest was kind of known for and certainly helped formed and move better. Um, to me, this sounds more American because, I mean, Van Halen, man, you even hear Glenn start using tapping in his solos on this. Right, yep. <clears throat> That's where I really think they might have kind of been trying to go with this a little bit was their own version of what Van Halen was doing. <laughs> um, so back to what uh, I was saying. So yeah, I like Take on the World. Uh, Green Man Alishi, great, great cover. Um, I enjoyed Killing Machine. Um, oh, yeah. Running Wild. If you like Wicker Man, but you don't like Running Wild, there's something wrong with you. That's all I'm going to say. It's the same goddamn it riff. Same. It is the same. Um, I think Before the Dawn is a really good ballad. It's not up there with like Beyond the Realms of Death, but you know, I'll listen to it if it comes up in the playlist. And uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's definitely not one of, my, one of my favorites. And I wouldn't put it up there with the esteem that I would uh, Stain Class. But, you know, for a document of where Priest was at at the time and they went through such a physical change, you know, donning the leather and, you know, with, with the motorcycle, I mean, you know, and and the, and the tour, the set list reflected that because you hear that in Unleash in the East. So, you know, I think like like Rock and Roll, well, maybe not so much Rock and Roll, but like uh sad wings of destiny it's a transition it's a transitional period in priest's career where it's like the priest that we now know pretty much is like all right now we got the look now let's do the tour to do it so you know i th- that's where i give um killing machine hell bent for leather uh, all the credence you know and saying that it, it was a good step 
for Priest's career. But yeah, I mean, Stained Glass was a better album, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Murphy says, uh, highlights delivering the goods, Hellbent for Leather, and Running Wild. More clunkers than Stained Glass, though. Uh, and Murphy also says, Running Wild and un- Unleashed in the East was killer, too. And he also loves Wicker Man. Um, you mean Running Wild? <laughs> yeah, r- running, running Wild does sound so much better on Unleashed in the East. It doesn't oh, have God. enough power here. But um, that I, it's still a great song. And Killing Machine, I love. I mean, it, is it the most extravagant thing they've done? No, but it's got that nice, heavy, chunky line, the riff's killer. And lyrics about being a hitman. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Manny? Well, Wayne, you're wrong. It's a great album. Delivering <laughs> the Goods is a great song, great opener. I like that. Rock Forever is a good song, well-written. Great vocals by Rob Halford. Evening Star, I love that song. And obviously, being a mailman has affected your hearing because it's a great <laughs> song. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Hellbent for Leather. Um, I probably heard it too much, but I still like it. Taking on the World, definitely don't care what Judas Priest song is definitely influenced by Queen, probably their record company. We need an anthem. And they go, all right, fine. Um, but it's an anthem that works. Um, they don't really perform it anymore, so I don't know what they think of it. But I think the only uh, song they perform off this is Hellbent for Leather. That's Leather, it. Yeah. And, Which and is a shame. I want to hear Delivering the Goods. Yeah. I like Burning Up. The lyrics are pretty goofy. Uh, Rob Halford isn't exactly... Um, David Lee Roth when it comes to sex lyrics they're kind of goofy but but I like it. Green Man Alishi is an improvement over the cover and keep in mind that Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green was worship over in Britain we're over here they didn't that version was respected but you know Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, uh, Gary Moore, um, uh, even David Gilmore all these guys worship at the altar of, of Peter Green that's easy to forget over here because they weren't they weren't massive with that lineup. Um, so it makes sense Judas Priest are, are kind of paying homage and tipping their hat to uh, Peter Green. Um, Killing Machine, I love that song. Again, uh, is it the greatest thing they ever wrote? No. And it's a little corny, but it's corny in a fun way. Before the Dawn, I like that song, but I, I, I hate this is killing me to agree with you with, with Wayne, but uh, it does not fit in the, uh, with the album. I do agree with that. Evil, uh, evil Fantasies, completely ridiculous, but I like it anyway. What I think it's interesting about the album is it points forward to where they're going with British Steel. Already the sound is forming, not just the image. The songs are shorter. Uh, the lyrics aren't so fantasy-based yet. Um, they're still finding their way lyrically. Production is definitely pointing forward to uh, what they're going to be doing with British Steel. Shorter songs, um, definitely emphasis on the beat, you know, more. Um, I would say commercial, but keep in mind, in 19, when was this released, uh, Greg? 78, right? 78, yeah. All right. So 78, the United Kingdom still in the middle of the punk phase. The United States, big bands and American side are Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Alice Cooper yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah. Those guys sound nothing what heavy metal, even hard rock would be. Um, Journey, Foreigner, Boston, would I include Ario in that? We're big radio groups in the United States. Judas Priest certainly doesn't sound like that. 
but it's certainly pointing forward to what other bands will be sounding like with this album, in my opinion. And um, and on the British side, Black Sabbath, Rainbow, uh, Rainbow still was, uh, yeah, they still had Dio at that point. And um, who else? Uriah Heap, uh, Atomic Rooster, which weren't big over here. Anyway, these bands still were uh, slow at some points, blues based, not rainbow so much, but they weren't really the sound that Judas Priest had and the sound that was going to be explored in the future. I guess maybe the closest thing would be, it sounds crazy, maybe Queen, but even Queen don't sound, you know, we're yeah, very diverse. Yeah. Anyway, that's my take on that album. I'm surprised you didn't mention Kiss in the American bands. I, uh, I love Kiss, but when I think of Kiss, as my, I, I mean, I love their albums, but I think of Image first. But you are right, Kiss definitely belong in. That, I mean, '78, they were yeah. at their peak. Yeah, I mean. and and they still in, uh, but seven, no, '79, '78 to release their uh, solo albums, and I think that's why I'm not thinking about it. I mean, I like some of those songs, Ace Freely's, but um, I think there was a lot of fill on a lot of those solo albums, especially Jeans. Well, yeah, I mean, they were still touring for the Love Gun album in the early part of 78, right before the release of Double Platinum. So they were still like on that huge wave. Oh, yeah, wave. that's right. Double Platinum came first before the yeah. uh, solo albums, right, guys? Is that right? Uh, Laurie mentioned uh, Michael Schenker UFO. <laughs> yeah, also another oh, one. Huge yeah, in England, yeah. criminally underrated here in the United States. Um, and unfortunately, that band, as much as I love UFO, I love Schenker, but they were kind of doomed by uh, the release of the Obsession album because, you know, that's Shanker on the Strangers in the Night album. That wasn't Shanker on the Strangers of the Night tour. They got Chapman and everyone's like, yeah. hey, where's Shanker? So, yeah. Yeah, but again, Obsession's an interesting album because it points forward to the uh, more pop, I hate to use pop metal, hair metal, but it pointed to where that's going, except those guys were great songwriters. And Phil Martin, by the way, is a Bruce Springsteen of the hard rock world. That guy's a great lyricist, underrated. Pop is not bad when you use in proper context. It could be a pop song and still be a good song. It's only when it's a dribble tripe that it's bad pop. Well, I, I guess my point is about UFO is that they... Um, they weren't they have a very melodic sound um and they they should have been all over radio but i agree they're a little bit too heavy than than your boston's but say whatever you want about them those guys could write a song and phil mog yeah or moog however you say his name great lyricist i mean uh, i agree yeah and shanker amazing guitar player um i don't think shanker's played as well as he did in ufo i'm not sure if that's a songwriting or if that's the chemistry between the band or whatever. I mean, one day we'll, I'm sure we'll do a podcast on Shanker. But... I would love to. I'm familiar, so. Well, you've, you've got like I'll 10 million best. CDs. You need to I, get know, some I don't own anything with him. I own a best of UFO. That's about it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. After this podcast, I, I go on Amazon. Anyway. I, I never see any UFO CDs like in the used stores or anything. Gotta go to Just... Discogs. Yeah, it's because this because we hold on to them anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, apparently. I, yeah. No, I was gonna say like the two that I know were out of print were uh, High Stakes and Dangerous Men and uh, Walk on Water. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that they released on SBV Steamhammer is out of print. But as far as the classic stuff, it's all available on streaming. Yeah. 
And they yeah, were, like, uh, you can start with Strangers in the Night and then mm-hmm. work your way. I'll start with what I want to start with, all right, Manny? Don't tell <laughs> no, me. No, no, no. You start with Strangers in the Night. Listen, I'm, it's bad enough. You I'm gave sure. Hellbent for Leather a bad review. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm not Greg alone. And, I'm sure Greg and Manny would agree with me that Strangers belongs up there with like one of the best live albums up there with like kiss alive and unleashed in the east oh, oh absolutely deep purple made in japan absolutely absolutely uh, laurie said it's the cocaine I guess we're, <laughs> hey, we're on a lot of cocaine that is true okay and uh murphy uh yeah never thought of ufos pop or hair band great musicians and writers uh, and performers uh just saw the it's the cocaine comment hilarious <laughs> well i don't i don't think there were a hair of pop metal band either i just think the melodic side influenced oh. a lot of artists from that uh, in the 80s is all you know they did kind of go the journey route in the 80s with misdemeanor and Shit, I do I love that album, though. I like that album, too. I know a lot of people hate it, but I like it, too. So Yeah, I'll get there. All right. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Wayne. All right. Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast. The third studio album. That's that. You see, that album cover is wrong. This is the 98 reissue. Yeah, so, the, yeah, it is wrong. Background. Uh, the third but studio it's the album. only one. It's the last one released with Total Eclipse. So that's why it's significant. Yeah. Third, studio, third studio album released March 22nd, 1982. Uh, first album to feature Bruce Dickinson on vocals and last to feature drummer Clive Burr. Uh, first album to top the UK album charts and reach the top 40 US Billboard 200. Only album to have a song written with writing credits for Clive Burr and the first to feature writing from Adrian Smith. Uh, when you think of Maiden, a lot of people go right for this one this album and understandably so since uh they still play most of these songs today live uh and it might be a little played out because i know greg is you know it's not one of his favorite albums or whatever but uh it's still one of the best iron maiden albums you know the the images used on everything every time you think of iron maiden you see that image in your head so uh but over the years i would give invaders shit uh because it's not really a great opening track but listening to it for this show i do like it the only part that really sucks is the chorus. When they do that stupid, like the scaling thing, it just doesn't work. It just, it just sounds dumb. But the yeah, rest so of the song, it, it ruins it, you know? Uh, I, think- I, I don't like the main riffs or any of that. I mean, it, it sounds like, oh, yeah, let's just chug out a generic Maiden track for filler here. I, I would have rather heard Bruce try to do his version of Invasion that they did with Diano. The B side that would have been better than this four minute waste of time. And apparently, the band's not happy with the with that song either. You know, they wish they would have picked something else, but apparently, they were like kind of in a rush making this album, so they just did it. Uh, Children of the Dam, a great song. I really like how they make it sound like it's going to be like some ballad in the beginning, but then it gets really heavy towards the end. And then with the drum rolls, Clyburn is doing and the guitar solos, it's an awesome song. Prisoner, I always thought this song was cool, just even for the intro. I mean, that every time I hear somebody say, Who's number one? I, I always like recite the rest of the lines for that, you know. Uh, but the song kicks in with that memorable, memorable, uh, memorable drum beat, and it's just one catchy guitar chord or vocal after the other. Uh, I love Steve's bass lines in this song, all the things that he does extra in between all the guitar stuff. Uh, 22 Acacia Avenue, a continuation of Charlotte the Heart. The song, for some reason, I'll either like it or I won't. Just depends on my mood. But there's some really cool guitar sections in this and some great drum work from Clive. What? Best song on the record for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. I agree. Oh, oh you think 22? 
Yep. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, oh, really? pr- pr- Prisoner's okay, but that isn't really my one of my favorites off of here. It's it's a good song, but vocally and as cool as some of the guitar chords are, some of them come off kind of awkward in the vocals at certain points, too. And that's really part of my problem with this record. Um, you know, it, it's a transitional record. Bruce was just coming in, and they really hadn't quite figured out how to write together good all the time yet, I don't think. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, especially with Invaders. Uh, the Number of the Beast, what can I really say about that song other than this is like the staple Iron Maiden song? One thing I actually learned today, though, was uh, the whole time I thought that was Vincent Price doing the intro. Did anybody else think that? No. No. Oh, no. no. My hearing is bad then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, based on <laughs> yeah, your review of for leather. But it's Barry Clayton. Uh, the band uh, didn't want to pay Vincent Price's fees. It was like some ridiculous, like 35 thousand pounds or something just to do that it's well, i wonder how much i'll do it for 35,000 pounds. 35, pounds then mm-hmm. i wouldn't have had to see him after he died floating on a toilet cake in the 90s at on an infomercial at 3 a.m <laughs> telling me about the horrors of an unpressed bowl <laughs> so they should have given him the i forgot about that <laughs> alice was not oh, a cheapskate unlike iron maiden well, i was curious i was curious did I wonder if uh, Alice had to pay that kind of a thing. No, he's Alice. He just said, it, show up and uh, then showed think... up. Yeah. Uh, What's wrong well, with you? <laughs> <laughs> by, the time, by the time Alice Cooper went solo for that, though, I mean, he was also coming off a, a string of hits with the group, and I would have think he'd had more money behind him on Welcome to My Nightmare and more of the studio than on uh, yeah. EMI yeah. for Maiden because his greatest well, representative that you are, this right. is really what broke. Yeah. yeah, and Alice is an international. The band and him were international. Uh, oh, yeah, right then. Yep. Huge. Iron Maiden just were getting there. So yeah, good point, yeah, Greg. You're right. You're right. Uh, Run to the Hills again, another Iron Maiden staple. I remember seeing this video for the first time, and I was instantly an Iron Maiden fan, even though I wouldn't really own any Maiden albums until like Fear of the Dark, but uh, which wasn't long after I saw Run to the Hills video anyway. Uh, I did have uh, somewhere in time, just uh, didn't listen to it that much. Uh, Gangland, uh, other than uh, Gangland, other than some of the really cool drum fills Clive does on this song, I really think they made a mistake putting this on the album. It's just kind of out of place. Maybe if they put it like in a different spot, it maybe would have worked better. But it's uh, really like it just doesn't work on this album. Now, Total Eclipse is a much better song, and it should have been in that spot. Uh, huh. Hallowed be, hallowed be thy name. Just goosebump inducing song with the bell chiming in the background and Bruce singing over the acoustic guitars. It just creates an image in your head. Uh, then those slow fading guitars and the drums and the song kicks in and the guitar melodies that people sing along to in concert. How can you not like this song? Just another top maiden song. Manny. All right. Uh, this is the first Iron Maiden album I, I uh, album I heard. It came out when I was 12. Uh, I saw the video on MTV, became an instant fan. I didn't know about the first two. This is the first one I heard. Um, Bruce Dickinson voice. I never heard anyone sing like that. I get my, I was 12, so keep that in mind. But it, my favorite band was ACDC at the time. I still love ACDC, but uh, Bon and Brian definitely were not singing like that. Um, so I like the album quite a bit. Um, 
I used to really love Invader as a kid. Nowadays, I don't really love it, but it doesn't bother me as an opening number. Um, probably the weakest opening number in their entire career, but yeah. I still like it. Uh, you mentioned Prisoner. I had no idea that this was based on a British TV show, even with the introduction. Obviously, I was, you know, real young. So it was a few years before I heard that. And that's the lead actor from the show, The Prisoner. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Children of the Damned and Hallowed Be Thy Name. Uh-huh. Patrick McGowan, I think. Yes, I yeah. believe you're right. Children of the Damned and Hallowed Be Thy, Thy Name. Those are just spectacular, great songs that kind of hint at the, at the uh, prog influences that these guys had. Again, at the age of 12, I didn't listen to Yes, Jethro, Taller, King Crimson. So that, that to me, I have, would have no idea of those influences at that time. Actually, it'd be several years before I would listen to any of those artists. But, um, and I don't think those songs sound anything like that. I'm just saying uh, that the influence of those, those artists is definitely uh, shows on those. Um, Ganglang, I think that song is terrible. I, I, what? I don't even know why the hell that's, that's on there, really. Um, but I never heard Total Eclipse. My album did not come with Total Eclipse. I had the vinyl, it had, it had Gangland. It was only added to the 98 remaster of the B-side before that came out. Okay, okay. Because my, yeah, I have it on my CD, but the original album has Gangland. Um, Number of the Beast, I used to love that song. Um, still do. But as a kid, I more liked it because uh, everyone, all the uh, parent groups hated it, which now I look at it and go, did they listen to the song? But obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't. Um, overall, I think it's a great, great album. Great introduction to me, and I've got to feel a lot of people my age, Iron Maiden, and uh, I've been been a fan lifelong since then. So, there you go, guys. Very cool. And I'm not alone with thinking uh, that was Vincent Price. Murphy also thought the same thing. Huh? I mean, I I like Vincent Price a lot. I had seen a lot of his movies, and it would there's like a tone. There's like a tone in his voice. It's very similar. Doesn't sound exact, but it sounds very similar. Especially like when he hits like a goes like a in like a towards like the end of it where he gets like a little higher in his voice. It just I can see that. But, but he's yeah, he's I, I can. I, can see I, mean, I, I would have guessed Peter Cushing before I'd have guessed Vincent Price. I don't know. Uh, and Larry said that Ian Gillen sang like that. Well, the only only deeper only Ian Gillen album I heard at twelve years old was him singing with Black Sabbath and. Yeah, he sort of sang like that, but Gillen had a, a different type of voice than Bruce Dickinson. Um, all right, Lou. Um, all right, so this album, I have to admit, up until um, Killers was the coolest made it out to me for the album cover alone. And of course, the title track. Um Run to the Hills and Hallowed Be the Name, I will give them both their significance in terms of being consistently in the set list for Iron Maiden. I personally never care if I hear Run to the Hills ever again for the rest of my life. Um, that being said, um, and, I, and I understand the gripes of a lot of people who say that the album is kind of overrated because it's got half clunkers, half classic material. Um, I don't hate invaders. Um, I think the, the chorus definitely could be a lot better, but, uh, I thought 
Bruce's performance as a vocalist uh, on the verses and the pre-chorus are great. The guitar solos are great. Clive's drumming is just killer throughout the entire record. It's the only reason why I would even give a song like uh, Gangland a pass, but uh, you know, before, because I have to admit that is my least favorite song on the album. However, over time, I've learned to appreciate it more. Um, I think Total Eclipse should have been on the final album, personally. I love that song. I think it's one of their best. Um, you know, it was sad that it was relegated to a B-side. Um, you know, but thankfully, the pressing I have, even though it is the wrong cover because it's blue, um, it does have it. So I'm set. Uh, Children of the Dam, can't go wrong with that. Great uh, dual guitar work by Dave and Adrian. And um, The Prisoner is my favorite song off the record. Um, just Adrian's solo alone, right before he gives the final four bars to Dave, Moore, Dave Murray, is just perfect. And uh, the funny story about that was, you know, uh, made it in order to write about material that was already uh, published or copywritten. They actually had to call the copywriter for permission. So they called Patrick McGowan directly. And his response was, do it. Just do it. He's a, he, so he gave him the okay. He gave him the green light to do it. So thank you, Patrick. And um, love 22 Acacia Avenue. Um, a fitting, continuing uh, story in the saga of Charlotte the Arlet. And um, definitely one of Adrian's best performances. I mean, I'm very biased towards Adrian, as you could tell. Sorry. I mean, I, he's the only person who's get, who, who I own a... Um, uh, a, a signature version of any uh, of the guitar of. you know i i have one of his jacksons and and i love it so um but yeah i mean it's i would say it's significant album for maiden uh such as sad wings and even hellbent are for priest but it's not in my top five personal favorites but again Objectively speaking, I could say, yes, one of the most important albums in their career, one of the most important albums for metal in terms of how it took off in the 80s. And, you know, its influence can't be denied. So, And uh, I, I actually kind of prefer the blue background to the black one. Well, blue is my favorite color, so I'm biased, so I can't help it. Uh, Larry says the number of the beast was the song that made uh, him a fan and it's just so captivating and dramatic in the way it tells a tale and it's still heavy and aggressive that is the first Maiden song I ever remember hearing as a kid and Same just as, as soon as that scream hit I it was a little you know happy kid and my face went from like he to <sighs> like that like I really thought it was not to add to the satanic panic but I thought it was the devil and I was like, this is cool. <laughs> well, yeah, that was my impression, too. Keep in mind, uh, 82, uh, what radio was like, you know, and I mean, back to, it, it's, it's hard to describe because, you know, we're looking at a world now where you can stream anything, listen to anything, et cetera, you know. Um, but to, when, when you first hear that in 82, it... It made such an impact. I mean, it, it would be similar to a, um, a thrash metal would make an impact just a couple of years down the road for me. But yeah, it was it was incredible. Plus the subject matter. I mean, when you're when you know, I grew up in a Catholic household. And here's this you know, 
I think the Satanism is a bunch of bullshit, but then that song's not about Satanism anyway, but I just, yeah, I mean, it, it just made such a huge impact on me. By the way, one of you brought up, both two of you guys brought up Clive Burr. What an underrated drummer to this day, very underrated. The guy was an incredible drummer. And honestly, I didn't appreciate him till I got older. Yeah. Yeah. So someone said earlier uh, in this episode, I think, or before we started recording, how Adrian and Clive just had that. They just locked that was you. And I agree with you 100% how important their sound and tone was to Maiden in the beginning. And, you know, like we asked the question, you know, would. Maiden have continued to succeed if Paul Diano stayed in the band. I would have personally loved to have kept Clive in the band. I mean, I, I have nothing against Nico McBrain as a human being. I have, I don't really have anything against him as a drummer, except for the fact that, you know, I wish his tempo was just a little better. But, you know, uh, Clive was the Maiden drummer. He really was. Yeah, and and that's why I love Gangland because that's like all about him and Adrian. That's right. all about Clive. But yeah. Play off of each other the whole song, and it's just yeah, awesome. I love yeah. that. He makes it redeemable. That song and, definitely. And also, as much as you guys may dislike it, and I do love Total Eclipse. It's a shame they left that off originally, but I don't think this album would flow right on the second side at all if you didn't have gangland and total eclipse just because it would just be going from that into total eclipse and hallowed be my name too too much darkness right there in one shot i think it needs gangland to balance that out Mm. Um, was total eclipse on any versions i know it wasn't on the u.s version but was it on the uk version it was on the 98 u.s reissue but that's it. It wasn't on any on 1982. It wasn't released originally on any of the other countries final or anything. Well, it was no, also... it was the B side to I think Number of the Beast. Okay. It was released on a second disc when Castle re-released the entire Maiden catalog in 1995. Yeah, I remember wanting to get those, but I didn't get those. I got the reissues you got. You know that whatever year those were. Uh, Great. Yeah, Did you I, I your only... opinion? I'm sorry, oh, go yeah. ahead. Oh, yeah, but uh, Laurie says, uh, discussing which color looks better, blue or gray. You sound like a bunch of women trying to d- d- trying on different dresses. <laughs> is it a blue dress or is it a yellow? Is it gold? How dare you try to assume my gender? Anyway. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Greg. I was saying I don't like the uh, dress? CD cover. I think it's too damn dark. Which one, the black one? Yeah. Just too dark to prefer the original cover. All right. Well, what do you think about the album? Oh, this was probably the fourth or fifth Maiden album I got. So when I first heard it, I was kind of shocked by how disjointed it was because the first two, they, uh, you know, Steve had written them songs prior. They had been playing all that stuff for years. Adrian came in and locked with Dave perfectly. And then after this peace of mind, Power Slave, Somewhere in Time, Seventh Son, they always had this clear idea where they were going, but you have Bruce just coming in here. I think what makes it all work the best is definitely Clive still being on drums. Um, Since I first heard it, I've never liked Invaders. That opening intro was really cool, and then it just 
three and a half minutes of blandness. <laughs> it just sounds like your your generic maiden song. Um, they do do some cool guitar licks on it, but overall, it doesn't hold up well for me. And Children of the Damned, love it. Great classic song, nice slow burner, just truly epic, makes your hair stand up. Just one of them all-time great heavy metal songs. The Prisoner, I like a lot as a song, but I prefer the live versions of it because, and this is the same problem I have with a lot of the early versions of Bruce singing the Diano tracks. It doesn't sound quite sure at certain points on there exactly what he should be doing or where he should fit in with what they're playing. So it kind of falters a little bit, but overall I like it. It's a good song. It, one of the strongest from this album, but given what surrounds it, peace of mind and killers, definitely kind of weak, but they pick it back up with 22 Acacia Avenue, which is just a great killer track. Adrian is on fire throughout the whole song. That melodic piece in the middle is just cool. The mood it sets is just amazing. And then Number of the Beast, I love still love takes you on a great journey it's definitely a classic uh, metal song run of the hills is a lot of fun live it's a good arena song it's not a bad track but it's one of it's always been one of the more boring ones to me like i've always liked it but i'm not rabid for it like most maiden bands seem to be but in concert it's a different story because it's a lot of fun to sing along to and it's a big bombastic production yeah and then uh <clears throat> Then for me personally, after that, which is a little, eh, it picks right back up with Gangland. I mean, you just have that classic Burr aggression, like that Phil's and that crazy shit he was doing on Killers. And Adrian's just going right along with him. The guitars are super cool. Um, and I think Bruce sounds good on it, too. This is one I've read where a lot of people are like, I don't like the way he sings. Yet they like Invaders. I want to ask them what the hell is wrong with because even for the parts of that song, I can admit that, that are okay and passable. He just sounds so awkward on it. It's easily the worst opening track they ever did. Probably my second most hated Maiden song behind. Maybe maybe third or fourth because Hooks and You and Wasting Love. Oh, God. <laughs> I like Wasting Love, but Hooks and You is god awful. Wasting Love, I think, would have worked on a Bruce solo album, but I don't think it was the right song for me. But anyway, that's much later on. And then Total Eclipse. Um, I mean, what what more can you say about it? That's just a heavy metal classic right there. It's it's a shame that they couldn't fit it on the original album because it fits in there perfectly in a track listing like that. And then, of course... The epic closer, quite possibly, let's see, this was 82, the best epic metal uh, anthem since Beyond the Realms of Death. That's a good point. By the way, I do recommend everyone check out Beast Over Hammersmith. That is a great live album and a... uh, Excellent live. Yes, and and a great document of Maiden at this time. And just listen to the differences between the way Clive plays them and Nico plays them. Nuff said. Yeah, that 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 is the one thing too. Like, I can live without Diano just because I know they wouldn't have reached uh, like peace of mind, power slave, and certainly not somewhere in time with him. But I really wish 
Clyde would have been given longer to sort his stuff out because he's just the quintessential maiden drummer. Nico's great technically, but he, he doesn't have that aggressive um, improvisational edge like Clyde Bird. All right. I, uh, I asked this last week again, Bruce Dickinson, would they have broken America with Paul Diano? I still say they would have been a mid-level band, but I don't think they would have made Arena. I don't know. What are, what are the people that are commenting and thinking? You know, what do you guys think? Uh, you think I'm wrong on that? I mean, I still stand by that. I think you guys said they were on their way up, which is true, but do you think uh, yeah, they would I have made so. it? I don't think they could have did Number of the Beast with Diano. <clears throat> I don't think so either. He wouldn't have no, I think if you, Some if songs, you take yes, out but... Hallowed Be Thy Name and like Children of the Damned, I think he could have well, he probably could have done Children of the Damned too in his own way, but I think he could have handled most of this record and held his own. And do you yeah. think with Paul Diano they would have broken the states the way they did now? Or on even on it international? They were on their way. Absolutely, they were. No the doubt states. about that. No doubt about that. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been anywhere near as big as it was because while I love Paul's voice, I will recognize it doesn't have the broader appeal of Bruce's. Mm. Um, for it to be the hit it was, it definitely needed that extra element. It still, I think, would have been a hit with Diano because Rudden of the Hills and Number of the Beast are great, but I don't think it would have climbed as high in the charts or in popularity. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's my, my take on it. Lou, what were you going to say? Nothing. Just... Um... The only thing I mentioned was that they were on their way to really breaking out in the States. Um, and, you know, history has shown that they did achieve superstar status once uh, Bruce joined. So, you know, history is, um, well, history is a mother. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Uh, Larry says uh, Invaders is good, but just like with Breaking the Law, it only, uh, it's only the verses that are awesome. And he also says Paul would have been bigger than Elvis. Just kidding. They would have bombed. <laughs> I don't think they would have bombed. I, there's no nah, I don't. I don't think they would have bombed. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I don't compare it to the ACDC situation because ACDC were on their way, but I think with Bond, they still would have been as big even with, you know, war with Brian, in my opinion. Iron Maiden, I think, needed uh, a Bruce Dickinson. Yep. Uh, All right. What did, uh, what are we going to give uh, Stained Class, uh, Manny? One through ten. I give it a nine. Nine. Uh, Lou? Lou? Oh, sorry, I was on mute. Well, I was on mute. Sorry. I said ten. <laughs> ten. All right, ten. Okay. And Greg? I also give it a ten. Ten. I'm giving it an eight. Eight's good. He's not bad. Uh, Hellbent for leather, Manny. I'm going to give that a nine because I'm going to take those points you're not giving it and add it to mine. Anyway, nine. <laughs> Eleven. Uh, Lou, come on. Uh, eight. eight. Okay, Greg? Yeah, I give it an eight as well. I'm giving it a five. No. Fair enough. Uh, All right. And number of the beast. Manny. I give that an eight. Lou. I actually do give it a ten. And Greg. Uh seven. Seven. Wow. And I gave it a nine. So Lou, you rated it higher than I did. So 
Who's the winner of this one? Well, to me, Judas Priest. But what do you what do you guys think? Well, it, according to this, the winner will be Stained Class. All right, because All right. Two, uh, Lou and Greg rated that ten, and Manny nine, and uh, I'm eight. So. All right, so Maiden is so far two ahead, and Priest with one. Priest with one. Ugh. I'll let you guys have that, I suppose. What are you guys watching the show? What do you give uh, those three albums, Stained Class, uh, Hellbent for Leather, and uh, Number of the Beasts? I'll wait. <laughs> no. Uh, anything else going on with you guys? Nope. Nothing going on? Uh, Lou, what's going on with your show? Anything? Uh, well, I'm still in the middle of editing my episode with Michael Branville of uh, Michael Branville Marketing and the KISS podcast, Three Sides of the Coin. Um, you know, uh, Michael was an awesome guest, but uh, let's just say that, you know, his role uh, with KISS in the past is bigger than what I really expected it to be not realizing that he was the originator of kissonline.com and he was actually the one that uh, I don't want to spoil too much but I'll just say one more thing he's also the person who created the idea for the VIP tickets for kiss fans so I would say in terms of his position with kiss in the past very high profile so I want to make sure I pay very careful attention to detail with this episode because uh, you know i'm not i'm not saying it's my biggest episode yet but i mean it's uh one that i'm meticulously you know editing and making sure is presentable very, very cool uh larry voted for stained class hands down man so, stained class all the way i mean right. you you know even even as influential in a classic as Number of the Beast is, I would argue it didn't quite have the same impact stained class did overall. I mean, that was really the game changer and the stage setter for me. Yeah, yeah I, I think stained class uh, historically has gotten the um, it's gotten that prestige, but I think Number of the Beast made an immediate impact. It took a took a lot of years to stained class to to you know to get up there as far as you know uh, oh i'm talking about the bands that influence and how oh absolutely absolutely yeah yeah you're right all right so what is uh next week's episode right peace of mind versus what uh i think i put british steel and point of entry together oh another another double well my my point behind that well i kind of had to with a lot of this but um, yeah Screaming for Vengeance and Defenders of the Faith not only are so similar sound-wise, but much where Power Slave and the World Slavery Tour was made in at the top and on their peak, I kind of feel like that's where Priest was for those two albums, too. Absolutely. I know the Turbo Tour was probably their biggest tour expense-wise, but I don't think it sold at the capacities the previous two did. All right, very cool. All right. Well, everybody, please join us then for those albums. And uh, thank you very much for watching. We had some uh, a good amount of people in here and, and very cool discussions going on. So please yeah, join us for again for next time. Bye, guys. I enjoy the comments. It's fun. Yeah, to that's what makes the show really fun. So keep coming back. 
and uh, go to ratsoundreview.com. And if you haven't subscribed here on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. And you can also listen to us on uh, Anchor and Spotify and Stitcher, iTunes. So go subscribe on that as well. And uh, we will see you then. Goodbye. And go, and go to our Facebook page and tell me which Tony Martin oh, yeah. Sabbath album we should do first. But yeah. if it's All forbidden, I'm going to mail you a bag of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> and not his dog. Demoni, everybody. Demoni. <laughs> Thank you very much, Laurie. Yes, always good content here. Uh, so we will see you guys next week. Toodaloo. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, the Metal Thrashing Nerd podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, the Timo Toki podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, the BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're taking over.